Hey everyone, welcome back to the Business Growth Advantage. Today, I am joined by one of my favorite humans on the entire planet. And if you're a business owner who wants to grow your business, this is the episode for you. I was just talking yesterday, not talking, I was just in a Facebook group and I saw someone anonymously post a comment in a group saying, y'all, let's be real. January was one of the slowest months I've had in my business. It seems like that was the case for a lot of people. What do I do now that we're in February, we're in a new month, what do I do to bring that back? And if you're like a lot of business owners out there where that rings true, where your January wasn't as strong as you thought, or you're starting to feel like you're losing track of those New Year's resolutions, and you really are saying, okay, no, February, this month is a fresh start. I'm going to do what I need to do to bring in more business. This is for you. Because what I saw in that Facebook group, you got to watch out for those Facebook groups, right? <laughs> there were all of these comments saying, you should work on your SEO. You should do X, Y, Z. You should do all this other stuff. And I'm so excited to have Shafan on here today because the thing that she focuses on really is the thing that can grow your business the fastest. And it might be surprising for you to hear that thing is PR. But today we're going to break down the myths and mistakes of what you think are around that word and why, number one, you're already doing a lot of PR, but you might not be realizing it. And number two, it is something that you need to be leaning into if you want to grow your business quickly. So Shafan, welcome to the show, my friend. To be here. Oh, we always have the best chat, so I'm so excited. I know. If the people who are tuning in today live on the replay on the podcast are anything like people who tend to tune in when I bring Shafan on, she quickly becomes one of your favorite people as well. Shafan, very quickly, give us a sense of the different types of businesses that you run right now and tell us about the, the origin story of the PR work that you're doing now. Oh, wow. So I have a media company in the wedding industry. So we have 25 publications underneath our media company. I own 10 of them. And so I started off as a blogger and I just got into the media company. It was co-founded with about 30 of us. And then over the years it dropped off and now I'm the CEO and I run it. And then I like to think about I have done PR for so long, not even knowing that I was doing PR mm. because as a blogger, being in the media company, we worked with a lot of different campaigns, brand campaigns, big people. And that is PR. Like we were doing a lot of influencer marketing, influencer campaigns, not even knowing that's what we are doing. So I've always done PR, but now I feel like I really do PR on the agency side. So we do done for you 
create different campaigns, get you on TV, help you learn what the aspect of PR really is, how to infuse it in your business. And I love how you said, Joey, like we're all doing it right now because there's so many different facets of PR that we don't even realize that we're doing, but there are different ones that we can add on as well. So I'm super excited to be here, but that's how I've gotten here and that's the journey. When you first have Don and joined me before we went live, Shafan, you said PR is literally just relationship building. Oh my gosh. It's funny when you hear it. I'm like, I did say that. And it really is. I think it's great because when you think about stuff that you can do to grow your business, so much falls under that. You've Mm -hmm. got just being visible on social, whatever that means. You've got your branding, you've got putting money into ads, you've got all this other stuff. And so much of what falls under growth tends to be, I'm going to create this stuff. I'm going to put it out there. And then hopefully people will engage and follow up. But one of the things that I think we address when we say that PR is relationship building, it's PR is that work of, to use your words, having campaigns, going out there, doing stuff that will likely require you to face more rejection than these other types of growth-based activities, right? No, but I love how you said it because most times when you think of the facets of PR, and we had kind of touched on it, there's a lot of different facets. So we have owned media, which is typically like our blogs. That's where you're going to have SEO. You have paid media where you look at being on different lists, being in different vendor guides, things of that nature, paying to be in the media of something. And then the thing is that speaking, social media, like you can hide behind social media and not really face that rejection, but you start getting into speaking, you start getting into sponsorships, you start getting into strategic partnerships. That's Mm. all PR, but those are 100%. You're going to feel that tinge of being rejected at any point in time. Yes. So when you say speak speak sponsorship, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Chiffon, so correct me if I'm wrong. I think another way of talking about PR is as business owners, we are creating our own stages, so to speak, Mm -hmm. our own platforms, our websites, our social media accounts, our podcasts, whatever. It seems to me like a lot of PR is how can I get on other platforms? How can I borrow the attention and audience of other communities, other people, whether that's people who are watching this TV show or people who are on the, at this mm-hmm. conference wanting to see the speaker or whatever. There might be other marketing or growth-based efforts where you are reaching out to a particular prospect and wanting yeah. them to buy from you. Am I correct here that we were thinking about PR as us building relationships with gatekeepers or platform hosts to connect with their audiences. Yeah, I think that is 100. And I think that's why I always like to say it's different facets because obviously if it's on the owned media side, which that's, when I say it, that's the easiest. The owned media side, like that's what we own. That's our blog. You're still doing public relation relating Mm. to the public, but that's one part of it. The part that you're talking about is 100% the part of you want to be building the relationship with those gatekeepers, with the people that you can go onto their platforms and use that yeah. strategic mark partnership. That's going into that paid media because you might have to be paying for some of those things yeah. to get in front of some of their demographics and some of their markets. So yes, it is a part of it for sure. What I'm seeing too, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, is that a lot of people, especially if we're doing all of this PR in the way that we're talking about it themselves, 
they spend so much time on their own media trying to build out their own thing when they don't really have a an audience that's seeing it. It might be the best content ever, but there just aren't a lot of eyes being drawn to it. And there's so much opportunity and potential to get new fans, get new audience more quickly. If you say, okay, we want to make sure that when people do come to our own media, it looks good mm-hmm. that we're coming across as a trustworthy brand, but we want to be spending more and more of our attention, borrowing the attention elsewhere. And you and I come from the same mentor, essentially. Right. What is it? TLC, traffic leads conversions. How am I getting that traffic? Yes, I can get that traffic on my own place where I'm doing the organic work 100%. That's what we like to look at as the tortoise movement. It's going to be slow. We can do it. When we look at PR and looking at some of these strategic partnerships, looking at paid media, looking at some of the different outlets, speaking things of that nature, that's the hair method. That's the hair way of doing Mm. it, the fast way of doing it. Let's go and partner with someone else. Let's go and use someone else's demographic. That's the aspect of that side of PR, where you can really step into that way of thinking about it. Yeah. Mm. It's hard because I think when people are really feeling like they're in a bind in their business. Mm-hmm. PR doesn't really just float into your brain. It's like, oh, this is the thing that I should be doing. Right? And I guess I'll ask the question, is there, whether we're working externally with a PR agency or we're doing the work ourselves, when we do find ourselves in that position that that anonymous person in the Facebook group said mm-hmm. of, I need to do whatever I can this month to get more leads quickly. What levers can we pull within PR to make that happen? Oh, I love this. And I love this question. And I saw that post. And that's so funny because I saw that post. When we want to go fast, and like I said, when we want to have that hair method, and that hair method right now, when we look at the tortoise, the hair method is go fast. Look, I need a cash infusion. I need to have some yes. things moving in my business right now. Number one, when we look at PR, You can look at, okay, who is someone who has a platform that I can go and post, do a guest post on, or do a guest appearance on? 100% immediate. That immediately puts you in front of people that you would not normally be in front of, which then drives the traffic back to where you want. And we talked about this. I even look at PR as like a lead gen. If you really want to look at it, PR and getting on other people's podcasts, getting featured in big publications, because let's think about it. I own a lot of publications. We need content. We're looking for story angles. We're looking for pitches. So that's how you can get that traffic fast, looking to go on other people's platforms, looking for podcasts, looking to be featured in their blogs and their publications. Those are all things that you can look at because we're looking for people from the publication and from the editor side. We're looking for people. Okay. So I'd like to transition to a little bit of like a lightning round of questions for for sure. Yeah, let's do it. So on that note, because you say you are looking for stories to tell for experts to bring on. At the same time, I know that it can be so scary from the perspective of the business owner of how do I write my pitch the right way so that people will be as likely as possible to say yes to this. Are there any kind of low-hanging fruit tips that you have for us business owners to have more confidence sending out those types of pitches and maybe not make the mistakes that they see? I think from, and I'm putting my editor hat on, less is more. Mm. 
I do not need your whole backstory. I do not need to know the whole reason, where you went to school, how you got into business. If I want that, I will ask that. And I think when mm. we get so many pitches, because we you have to think from any publication, from any podcast person, from anybody who is an editor or producer. So that can be editor, producer, podcast, TV, radio, anything. We have a limited amount of time to be combing through and looking through pitches. Yeah. So I tell people all the time, less is more. And we're going to even put our marketing hat on right now. There are three components of marketing that you should have. Headline, you need to grab me with a headline. Mm-hmm. And that headline is going to be, we're doing social media content. We're doing email content. We're doing any type of pitches. Headline has to get me. It has to resonate immediately. Then we get to the body. That body has to keep me. So it's about attracting someone. It's about keeping someone. And then it's about a call to action. Mm-hmm. So those three components that's all you need. And I don't need a whole bunch of backstory because I'm not combing through that. Yeah. And that is simplicity. Those three things, that's at the crux oh, of man. whatever we're looking for. I love that. I love that. That was so good. Another question that actually came up earlier this week with my team is there's starting to be this sense, especially in podcasts. I want to turn to podcasts for a second, that Everyone and their grandma is doing podcasts and that you have to be increasingly careful as a business owner with who you're pitching to because you can quickly fall into this regrettable trap where you look back and you were featured on 20, 50 podcasts and they weren't the right type of audience Mm -hmm. or they weren't, they didn't attract the size or quality of audience that you wanted. And so now you tell yourself like, oh, I'm never going to be on a podcast again because they don't send me leads. Do you have any quick tips or thoughts around how to filter out podcasts mm-hmm. or summits or speaking opportunities that may be more worth your time? Yeah, no. And I think immediately as you were talking, thought too, when I look at the wedding industry. So I want to pull it in a little bit because- yeah, yeah. When we talk in the wedding industry about doing submissions, and we were talking about this earlier, in the wedding industry, a lot of being published and being featured is being featured on wedding publications. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, there are a million and one wedding publications, the same as there are a million and one podcast. At the end of the day, who are you trying to get in front of? Mm. Because this wedding publication is not your demographic. So why would you even submit your wedding to that publication when at the end of the day, we're all trying to get exposure. We're all trying to make money. And if that's not my demographic, then you don't need to be there. So that's the same for podcasts and anything, podcasts, summits. I tell people all the time, even for myself, what is going to be my ROI from that? Hello, we're all in business. What is the ROI? Yes. So do I want to be on 25 publications or 25 podcasts or speaking summits? Because that takes energy. Let's all be real. It takes energy to show up and truly put forth what you want into any of these speaking engagements. But you have to think, is that demographic my demographic? Because that's Mm -hmm. where the ROI comes in. If it's not your demographic, then that's not the podcast, the summit, the speaking event, the publication, whatever that you need to be in. And sometimes... That means some of these high podcasts or some of these podcasts that are high on the list are not for you because that's not your demographic. Mm. It might be a niche publication. It might be a niche podcast. 
if that is your demographic that they're dealing with. This goes back to what you said earlier before we went live of this is all really just a numbers game. Yes. And high quality numbers game. Let's Mm. also be frank there. And I say it all the time. We say it all the time in the publication word on the wedding side. Do I just want to spray and pray? Literally. Do I just want to send out a million and one pitches and just pray that someone's going to say yes? And yes, that's a numbers game, but that's a low quality number game. Mm. Or do I want to say, you know what? These are 10 to 20 high quality places that I know their demographic matches who I'm trying to be in front of that I'm submitting to. There is no spraying and praying. I know that I'm going to get accepted. I know that I'm going to get picked up, which is going to then help me in my business because these are high quality. That's high quality numbers. as That's opposed to so good. And if we take the more traditional definition of PR again, shifting away from using PR to book speaking opportunities and podcasts, but just like this idea of being featured in certain places. I'm curious when people say that they, they want to be featured in the New York Times or something else so that on their landing page, it can say as featured in mm-hmm. these magazines, or if people are wanting to write a book and really work hard to say that it's an Amazon bestseller, are those, how do you compare the value of those types of PR wins to this other stuff that we're talking about, getting mm-hmm. booked to speak, getting in front of an ideal audience? Ooh. I'm getting like, this is going to be a juicy answer, so get ready. Okay. When you look at PR and when you look at getting featured in different media outlets, it's all about the different tiers of how it's going to affect your PR portfolio. Mm. There's a difference between brand awareness and bringing an ROI. They go together, but there's a difference. So when you look at the high tier media outlets, you're looking at Forbes, Business Insider, New York Times, and those are high tier across the board, but then there's some high tier in different industries as well. But when you look at some of the high tier, and this is national or in your industry, you have to look at the high tier are more about brand awareness. That's Mm. just building your brand so that when you go to a client, when you go to a customer, they can see that validates you. That builds your brand. But then when you look at some, and I say niche or your lower level ones, your lower level media outlets, that's where your actual demographic is going to be. That really affects your ROI because that is your direct into a lead, not just the brand awareness. It's two parts of building your PR portfolio that you have to look at. And I tell people all the time, brand awareness is amazing. Are you going to get those brand awareness, high tier publication and media outlets all the time? Probably not, but they will go in your PR portfolio and live there and you can always use them. You can always share them. Mm. The ones that are your lower tier, and I say lower, but you know, the lower tier is more in the niche category where it's probably a direct infusion into your demographic. That's where you will probably see the real nuts and bolts of an ROI because you're getting in front of your actual demographic, not just building your brand awareness. Yeah, that's so good. And that reminds me of a conversation that I had recently with someone who was saying that you also have to think about your own offers and how Mm -hmm. high or low ticket they are. Because if you're wanting to build a business where you have a handful of very high-end clients, 
than that media outlet lineage showing that you've been featured on these bigger publications could mean more as you're building up these touch points. And usually there's a longer sales cycle to get Mm -hmm. those to buy versus you might not need that much brand strength to support the trust necessary to buy something for, you know, thousands of dollars or less. What I think that goes into just luxury sales and luxury marketing in general. And when I think luxury high ticket falls into that, because when you look at the sales cycle for a luxury or high ticket, they're looking for validity of you as a brand. Right. And that might not necessarily come from some of the lower level or lower tiered media outlets, because that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for the validation that you are actually a true bona fide brand that has been known, seen, talked about, because that's the other thing about PR. It's like when you get PR in some of these hot ticket and high tier media outlets, that's doing the selling for you truthfully. Yeah. Because that's validating you as a company. That's validating really you as a brand. And that really higher true. level or luxury marketer or luxury sales, they look for that type of stuff. That's what awesome. they want to see. Okay. Man, Shafan, you and I could talk all day, mm-hmm. but I think you've dropped enough golden nuggets for people to chew on for a week at least, because it really opened my eyes the more that, and we've had several conversations about this, but what you have to say of like PR, not just being what we tend to think of when we think mm-hmm. PR. And I'm not realizing the more that we grow our business, the time that we are spending thinking, okay, how can we build relationships? How can we get more visible? How can we work on this PR stuff? That is what's moving the needle for us to get more leads and prospects and for us to get more sales. And it can be really tough for me or someone else on the team who is in charge of sales, who's in charge of getting people who call us to, if they're good fits, decide to work with us. They can really feel like their hands are tied behind their backs because they don't, it's not their job to figure out how to create those leads, right? No, it is. It's so true. And I, I highly recommend to anybody who's tuning in, if you're feeling that that pain or this gap in in where you are and where you want to be sales wise, take what Shafan is saying to heart and really lean into PR. Maybe that means investing in someone like Shafan to help you or figuring out what you can be doing yourself. Uh, And I'll end on this note. Shafan and I said, again, before we went live, that the PR work that you do yourself is really a strong visionary and CEO role. And it is one of the highest value performer tasks that you do in your business that unless you work with a PR agency can probably the last uh, role that you can train someone else to do for you. Mm -hmm. And it is trainable. And I will say that because I have worked with companies that I'll come in and train someone to do the PR for that company. And I say it all the time, people that are internal can do an amazing job, sometimes better than an agency because they're ingrained Mm. in the organization, in the business. So yeah, you can definitely train someone to do it. And like I said, I recommend that people do that, especially when you're a bigger business, 
as opposed to coming to an agency like me. Mm-hmm. Would I love for you to come? Of course. But your business employees, your organization, someone who's in your organization can do a far better wow. job with PR for your organization than an agency ever will be able to do. So yeah, I say that all the time. Oh, I love that. Well, for people who are like, I don't care, Siobhan, I want to work with you. <laughs> what is the best link or URL these ha- you have these days or on the PR side of what you're doing? I would just say my site, just ShiobhanMyers.com okay. is always going to kind of be that place where you can come. You can kind of look around, see what's going on. I'm saying Siobhan Myers at social and you can find everything there. You can look at all the businesses that I own. You can kind of see where we have been in the different um, media outlets just to see what I've done because all of that has come from what I've done for my businesses and kind of created the media presence from all the different businesses. But yeah, that's where I like to play. Oh my gosh, you're so good. We could talk all day, Shafan. I'm sure I'm going to have you on again soon. I know we really have the best conversations. We do. That's a part of it. We really do. We do. We do. Well, I, I absolutely love having Shafan on, sharing her with all of you. Uh, again, tuning in live, the replay, the podcast. Let us know if you are watching this on the, the live stream in the comments. One big takeaway that you have after watching this. Shafan and I are, are curious. We... Uh, We want to meet you where you're at. If you have any questions or concerns, drop them and I'll tag Shafan as well. Uh, That'll do it for this week. Uh, I'll see you guys next Wednesday or next Thursday on the Business Growth Advantage. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn 